0: The title of the message this morning is Principles of Faith. Quite simply, Principles of Faith, and we're going to look at uh, a few principles, which I believe will take us further along our journey at the stage. Now last Sunday, I shared with you how the Lord had directed me to a theme for 2017, and that theme is building up your most holy faith it's one that I want to encourage you to commit to memory building up your most holy faith please say that with me building up your most holy faith another time building up your most holy faith and this is a year in which I believe that God wants our faith to grow if you missed last Sunday's message I'd encourage you to Listen to the message on the website, it's free of charge, or else uh, get a disc of last week so that you can make sure that you're on board. It was a foundational message to what we are busy with in this theme. Now, I really do believe that God is wanting our faith to be built up in this year, and he's wanting our faith to increase. Do you know that faith can grow? Some people think that maybe it can't. I'll touch on that later. And in terms of our faith being built up and increasing, I'm referring both to our faith foundation and our faith muscles. God wants this all to be growing and thriving and developing. And as we build up our faith muscles, the result is that we can believe God for greater things. Somebody says, well, why are we talking about faith? What's the big deal? Why is this so important? It's so that you and I can believe God for greater things. Jesus said, greater things than these will you do because I go to the Father. And it's in the heart of the Lord Jesus that we would do greater things. I believe that you and I can do greater with the power that has been given us than we are currently seeing or experiencing. And so if this word challenges you, well, good, because we need to be challenged to step into everything that God has for us. We need to be challenged to release our faith and not just keep it. And so these greater things that we can believe for could include some of the following things. Miracles, breakthroughs, situations that seem completely impossible. But because of the building up of your faith, you are speaking into a situation and you are seeing a supernatural breakthrough. Other things that we can believe God for is healing. Another thing is multiplication. I think of the, the story of the five loaves and the two fishes and God multiplied and did a wonderful miracle. I believe that those things were not just for that day and not for this age, they for this age as well. And God can use you through faith being released for multiplication and also deliverances. There are people around about us that need to be delivered, and they're not getting delivered. And I believe the people of God can be used to believe God for more and to see those deliverances take place. Now, how do you build physical muscles? You build physical muscles with resistance. That's how they grow. You take that what is it, a dumbbell, and you begin to lift it up and down? You create risk, resistance for your muscles. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because that three week gym membership is already not being used since January. Uh-huh. But in terms of that, you build muscles that way with resistance, and your muscle begins to grow. Some of you listening to me today might be facing a situation where you're experiencing a lot of resistance. It's almost like a pushback from the enemy. And you almost want to freak out and say, God, I don't want this. You know, the, the abundant life that you're talking about, oh, why, does it, why this? I don't want this resistance. But you know what? The resistance that you may, may be facing right now could be the very God-given opportunity that your faith will grow and you will come forth as gold and you will get victory in that situation. And so I want to encourage you. It's an opportunity when you face resistance to grow your faith. And how do you do that in the situation? You respond to that situation with the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you think you will grow your faith in this year apart from the word of God, it's just not gonna happen. The word of God is so fundamental to us growing in our faith. Last Sunday I shared a theme scripture with you. Let's take another look at it, it's on the screen. Jude 1 verse 20 and 21, but you, beloved, that's you, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Doesn't that sound good? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The same passage in another translation, the International Standard Version reads as follows. It says, but you, dear friends, must continue to build your most holy faith for your own benefit. That own benefit is not a selfish one, but it's the benefit of needing to be built up as God's people. Furthermore, continue to pray in the Holy Spirit, Remain in God's love as you look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, which brings eternal life. Now in that second passage, just have a look at that underlying section. Must continue to build your faith. I want to say to you people of God in this year ahead, really, you must continue to build your faith. If your faith is exactly the same way and size it was three years ago, That's not a good thing. Faith should be growing. Faith should be alive. And so let this word challenge you. Continue to build your faith. Let's look at some principles. There are three points that I'd like to share with you today. I hope to get to all three. In the first service, I only got to the first two. Well, let's see how it goes. Point number one and two, which I'm spending more time on. Number one, when we are faithless, it frustrates heaven. Hmm. How's that for a point? When we are faithless, it frustrates heaven. Now you might say, John, I've just come here to be encouraged today. I just, I knew this was Bless Me Club 101 and that's why I'm here, but this is a bit heavy for me. When we are faithless, it frustrates heaven. Say that with me. When we are faithless, it frustrates heaven. I want to say this. On this whole topic of faith, It is easy to choose doubt and unbelief. It's the easy thing. But it takes courage to choose faith. It takes determination to choose faith. And it also takes strength of character to choose faith. Are you going the easy route and just choosing doubt and unbelief? Or are you doing what is in the strength of character of a believer? And you say, no, 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 I'm determined to choose faith. Let me give you a little example here. Maybe somebody says, and you hear somebody saying, well, forgive me if I don't have much faith for this country. This country is going down the tube. Have you read the newspapers lately? (laughs) Now, that's the easy route to follow. That's the path of least resistance. But I want to tell you it's the wrong choice to make don't make that choice. It takes courage to choose faith. And when people around about you are in negativity and despondency, you don't respond according to what they're responding from. You respond according to the Word of God. That's what you do. Maybe let me give you another example. If you hear somebody sharing a testimony of healing, maybe here from the pulpit, perhaps in your life group, Maybe a friend of yours types, well, God, God did this, and he, and he brought the situation about. How do you respond when you hear that testimony of healing? Do you secretly doubt it? Do you think, ah, oh, it probably didn't happen, and maybe the immune system just got a little bit better? I want to tell you, that's the easy route to follow, but it's also the unrighteous route. I want to tell you it's unrighteous to pursue unbelief, but it is righteous to believe in God. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And when you choose to reject unbelief and operating in operating faith, you are operating in righteousness. It's righteous to believe God. And so unbelief should not have place in our hearts. And I want to tell you that when you hear testimonies of faith, of healings that take place, respond with a childlike faith. Yes, we need to be discerning and just make sure, is this really a testimony? Is it correct? But respond with childlike faith. It takes determination, but it also takes purity of heart. Unbelief and cynicism do not serve any good purpose. And we should eradicate them from our lives. The Bible says, let there not be a wicked heart of unbelief in you. Romans 14 verse 23, it's on your screen. It says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree that's quite a challenge in scripture? For whatever is not from faith is sin. Because this is the way believers are called to operate. And it's not okay to have a heart of unbelief. Some people might think, well, God understands me, and he understands some of the difficulties in my life, and I'm sure he doesn't mind a a bit of unbelief. And he says, no, 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 Uh, unbelief is wicked. It's a wicked heart of unbelief. So make sure you eradicate it. There's no place. And the scripture says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. I think of the disciples that were in the boat, Now bear in mind, they were in the boat, and they were experienced fishermen, many of them, and here they are. They're out on the water, and Jesus is in the bow of the boat. He's busy sleeping. The massive storm comes up. The disciples begin to freak out, all right? And they wake up Jesus, and they say, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus wakes up. He calms the storm, and then you know what he does? He actually rebukes their faith. He says, oh you of little faith. And there's other stories in the Bible where Jesus rebukes unbelief. I want to tell you in the same way that Jesus rebuked Peter, when he was not mindful of the purposes of God and he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. I wanna say your loving heavenly father rebukes unbelief when it crops up in your heart. And it's wonderful he does that. He does it because he loves you. He does it because he wants to inspire you onto greater faith. And so maybe some of you in recent times, you've experienced even a rebuke from the Lord and the Lord said, no, 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 don't choose unbelief. Choose to believe in me. Matthew 17, please turn in your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 20. It's on your screen. And it says there, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is an epileptic. And suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water so I brought him to your disciples would you say your disciples I brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him and then Jesus answered and said oh faithless and perverse generation how long will I be with you How long will I bear with you? It's almost as though here Jesus, I could imagine that perhaps he thought to himself, Father, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Father, there's so much unbelief in this generation. Father, let there come belief and let there come faith on the earth as it is in heaven. So let it be on earth. And then Jesus said, bring him to me here. And then on to verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Ouch. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith, As a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing shall be impossible for you. Quite a challenging passage of scripture. Now, verse 16 is just highlighted a phrase of it on your screen and it says, your disciples could not cure him. Isn't that a bit of an ouch kind of a scary phrase? Your disciples could not cure him. That is an indictment against those disciples your disciples could not cure him and i wonder if the world today doesn't express that same thing the world today says well god your your church doesn't operate in your power Your disciples, because every one of us are disciples, and this is referring to disciples that could not cure the situation, and you and I are disciples of the Lord Jesus, and maybe the world cries out that same thing today, and they say to God, and maybe they don't even know what they're really saying or speaking, and they say, the church couldn't help me. The disciples of Jesus couldn't cure me. What a sad thing, if that is the case. But I know that the world is longing for the revelation of the sons of God. And I believe that this is the time for the revealing of the sons of God. The world, even though they don't know it, they want to see the sons of God revealed. The world of God is actually desiring to see the sons of God operating in the power of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. The sons of God in the power of God. And so this is a calling to arise at this point in time. And when I saw that, it appeared to me when Jesus said, oh, faithless and a perverse generation, it appeared to me as though Jesus was really frustrated. Not often times in scripture do we perhaps see this emotion from Jesus, but Jesus was actually frustrated with his disciples and he was frustrated with the generation around him with their lack of faith. And hence the point, when we are faithless, it frustrates heaven. And then I thought to myself, I don't want to frustrate the Lord. How many of you say that? I don't want to frustrate the Lord. I don't want to frustrate you, Lord. I want to operate in a way that is pleasing to you, a way of faith. Oh, help me. The one commentary says, the disciples had been given authority to do the healing. But they had not yet learned how to appropriate the power of God. And that's why I believe we're speaking about faith this year, that we can learn to appropriate the power of God. Jesus' purpose was not to criticize the disciples, but to encourage them to greater faith. And also there's a phrase in the passage from Matthew 17 that we just read, and it's this phrase, faithless generation. Now, Imagine the complete opposite. Imagine a generation of faith. And imagine that this is the time that God wants his people to rise up as a generation of faith. That would show forth the greatness of God through who they are and through what they believe God can do. A generation that says, God, I know you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. Imagine a generation, and I believe that I'm talking to people here today that are part of this generation that is rising up in faith. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. A generation of faith. Point number two, every believer has a measure of faith that we can exercise and grow. Please say that with me. Every believer has a measure of faith that we can exercise and grow. Now, Paul speaks in Romans 12 and verse three and says this, for I say that through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as, and now this is the important part, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Just say that with me. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I would suggest that in your Bible you underline that little phrase. I believe that this is an important verse for believers to know and to hide in their hearts. And you might be here today, and you say, maybe you feel like you don't have any faith. You feel, if if you're honest, you don't have any faith, and you hear Christians talking about faith, and it feels like the furthest thing from your mind, and you hear us talking about this theme of building up your most holy faith this year, and it feels so out of reach for you. Well, I have good news for you today. And the good news is that God has given you faith. According to the word of God, I pray that faith will arise in your heart as you hear that word. God has given you faith. And God's word is clear, that each and every believer has received a measure of faith. Now, can I ask you by a show of hands, how many of you say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, this scripture says God has dealt to each one. Those are to believers a measure of faith. How many of you can say in the light of this scripture that therefore I have received a measure of faith? Raise up your hands. Every single hand should be up again that was up in the first question. And so this is the wonderful thing that we see from the word of God that we have been given a measure of faith. So listen to this. We are not trying to get faith, but we have it. You have a measure of faith. Please say to the person next to you, you have a measure of faith. Now, can you afford to be puffed up about this measure of faith, thinking that you're something special? No, you can't be puffed up because it was just given to you by God. We have this measure of faith. We have it. Now, what is the purpose of this measure of faith? The purpose is to serve God and to serve His people. And I believe as we begin to activate this measure that we've been given, God can use you No matter if you're a leader in the church or not, God can use you as a powerful instrument in the kingdom of God as you begin to activate it, but you already have it. Listen to this description. It's on the screen. It says here, the measure of faith refers to the spiritual capacity and or power given to each person to carry out their function in the kingdom of God. I love this because this is telling me that this measure of faith is spiritual capacity. This measure of faith is the power of God. And God has given it to us for the purpose of kingdom influence, for the purpose of impacting the church and impacting the nation and beyond. Now, let me ask you something, and you're gonna have to think carefully about this one. Here's a question to consider. Do you believe that the Lord gives to one person a measure of faith and then to another person a larger measure of faith? Do you think there's differing degrees of faith? Because some people might look at somebody else and you see them prospering in their faith and, and in their believing of God, and you think, well, God must have given them a stronger measure of faith than I have. So I'm just going to be happy with the little bit that I've got. And let me say this question about whether somebody has a higher measure of faith or a lower measure of faith. It is quite a sensitive one. It's not an easy one. And there are differing views. Some people say because some translations say a measure of faith. That refers to maybe different degrees. Others say because the translation, others say the measure of faith. That, that is one and the same measure given to all believers. Now, my comment is... I could be wrong, but if I look at God's character, I would sense that God has given to everyone the same measure of faith. How many of you think you you could believe with me on that one? Everyone has been given the same measure of faith, but now the question is, what are you doing with it? Because maybe that person that you see prospering in their faith, they've been feeding on the super, the super food called the Word of God, and they've been investing and building and growing their faith, but it started out the same size as you, and that gives you hope that you too can build and develop and grow your faith. So the real issue is, what are you going to do with your measure of faith? Because it'll grow in relation to what you do with it. I think of the parable of the talents. And there was one of the servants that received one talent. And what did he do with that? He did nothing with it. He went and buried it and hid it out of fear. But the others began to invest and exercise their talents and multiply their talents. And I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, please don't bury this measure of faith. Please put this measure of faith to use. Put it into action because we must multiply what God has given us. And I want to tell you, some people believe that you can't really grow your faith, and I disagree with that. And I want to say to you loud and clear, you can grow your faith. Your faith can increase. And I'll back it up to you with a scripture from 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3 from the NIV. And here Paul is speaking, and Paul says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing. Don't you like that? Can you say this of yourself? My faith is growing. Paul is saying this of the church in Thessalonica, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. And I just thought for a moment, the Bible speaks of faith, hope, and love. And I I just wondered if faith grows, maybe love is growing in the same time. It was certainly in the church at Thessalonica. And so in this same verse, in the message translation, it says, your faith is growing phenomenally. Please say the word phenomenally. Can you believe it? So this translation says that your faith is growing more and more. Another translation says your faith is growing phenomenally. I pray that God expands your vision, that you realize that literally your faith can grow phenomenally. I pray that people will begin to come up to you during this year and they say something is happening in your life. I see God's doing something, and they don't even know what's going on. But you know that your faith is growing. Faith should not be dead and stagnant, but alive and growing. And here, what's Paul doing? Paul's rejoicing. He says, because you know what? These Thessalonians, they're doing real good, and their faith is growing. And you know what? I believe As Paul was rejoicing, I'm also going to be rejoicing this year because these choose-lifers are going to be growing in faith, myself included. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, say hallelujah. Well, I've run out of time. (laughs) So... We'll have to continue in the days and weeks that come ahead, but I trust that you've received the word. How many of you have been blessed by what you've heard today? Please stand as we close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we say that we love you. We thank you that you have so many good plans for our lives. And we declare prophetically once again over this year that this is the year of building up our most holy faith. We open our hearts, we open our lives to begin to see you working in a wonderful way. We thank you specifically for the measure of faith that you have given us. Maybe we, May we be faithful stewards of this faith And may it grow and increase to the honor and glory of your name. And now bless your people and I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. And we all say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.